you're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. This is your host, Krista Harden, and I'm joined by the amazingly astounding Olivia Hayman. Ooh, hi, guys. I got a new little intro. I like it. Yes, we have to keep it fun and peppy, and you are astounding. Oh, so thank you. Totally accurate. Oh, my gosh. That's great. Thank you. And today, you guys are joining us as we talk all about finding the season of marriage that you're in and really embracing it. So I'm really exciting, excited for you guys to just sit there and take in some lessons about every single season of your marriage because I know that sometimes you're thinking, are we like everybody else? And we're also going to go through each type with those seasons so that you can get a sense for what we can expect at the beginning, middle, and later seasons of marriage. This is going to be fun. I know we have so many amazing married couples um, on the E&M Instagram, so this is going to so bless them. I'm excited. Me too, because I think it really goes beautifully with the typical marriage research at large to say, hey, what's out there for seasons of life? Because I may be a three or a four or a nine, and this is an issue I'm having. And is it because of my Enneagram type or is it because I'm a newlywed or I'm pre-married or I'm somebody who has been married for uh, 20 years? So it's really going to be interesting to talk this out. Yes. And speaking of marriage and just everything Enneagram, you are going to be part of the Enneagram and Coffee Summit coming up. Yes, it starts today, and the topic I'm speaking on is safety in marriage. So I hope some of you will be checking that out. You can buy your all-access pass, or you can buy just the day pass uh, for each day of this week, where you get to hear a ton of Enneagram speakers talk about all things Enneagram. So you can head on over to the Enneagram and Coffee Instagram, or you can check out our EnneagramandMarriage.com page to find out more about that. But either way, that was a lot of fun, and I'm really excited to see how you guys like that. Yes. I mean, Enneagram and coffee, that combination, could it get any better? I know. (laughs) Well, Enneagram and tea. Oh, okay. Sorry. Are we going to start a debate right now? (laughs) She's a coffee drinker, and I'm a tea drinker. I'm I'm like barely a coffee drinker, though, which is so funny. So I'm fighting for something I don't even really care about. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, well, Dunkin' is okay. I know. I love Dunkin'. Oh my gosh. I do. Oh my gosh. And me as a seven, I'm like, no, because I'm like, it's too like common. There's what I can't go to places like that all the time. I can go occasionally, but I just it's so. So weird. And I'm sure there are other sevens out there like that, but I'm just like, it's, it, you know, the classic statement about sevens, try it once to see if you liked it, yeah. try it again, and then you're <laughs> bored. So it's yeah. like Duncan is everywhere. I'm like, I'm so over this. I oh have my to find gosh. the mom and pop coffee shop. Oh, that's funny. Oh yes. my gosh. That is hilarious. So, I love it. But yes, I totally love Enneagram and coffee and Sarah Jane is amazing and a fellow seven. So I'm really, really always just so blessed by what she does. So check that out, you guys. And let's get started on talking about the seasons of marriage. I first want to let you guys know that what's really important to seasons of marriage as we think about that is people have this statement about the itch that you get in marriage. Have you heard of that, Olivia? Yes, but I think people kind of refer to it like depending on their circumstance. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Isn't it like the seven-year itch or something like that? Yes, and actually what's more accurate is the four to five-year itch. 
Um, that is more research-based, and it's really important that people know that it's going to be per year marriage, but what that really means is scientists over a number of years and studies have taken polls to see when do people hit their stress points in early marriage, and when do people typically divorce in marriage at large at all, and in the past, there were studies that more showed seven and 12 even, but four to five is pretty typical, and the reason we think that is is because you get going, you have your couple of years of honeymoon time, and then you, and there's still hard things within that, but then you have your first child together, and then there's a sense of, okay, we've done everything, we've completed our work together, and you could even go as far back to people who think of the hunting, gathering tribes where now it's okay for us to move on. So what really we have seen, though, is that people who engage in second marriages have less of a healthy dynamic and more divorce. So it does doesn't mean that if you're in a second marriage, that's going to be your story because, you know, stats are never stories. They're not people. But we do want you to know that after you make it through these humps, it really does increase in satisfaction. So it's a nice statistic after you look at it a little bit with some longevity to see if we can make it through those early years and those difficult times and find new goals together, then we could really go somewhere. Wow. This is, you know, now that you're saying that, I almost think I feel like I've seen more and more people at like four years. Like if you look online, especially like celebrities, mm-hmm. I think that's the most common one that we see. You do see about like a three to five year, I don't know, marriage, I guess, if you even mm-hmm. want to call it that, because there's probably things behind the scenes that are like, oh gosh. <laughs> but right. can we really say yeah, they're married? I know. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's so interesting because I everybody says the seven years, but I, I felt like it was always more of a, oh, we're just kind of bored mm-hmm. versus we're like very much growing apart and don't really work well together anymore. So that's very interesting. Yes, it really is. And if you can remember that the darkest hour is usually before the dawn, then you can find a glorious finish to just what you started together and say, wow, we've made it through the pain. But really, I think it's important to think about each type too, because there are certain issues that we all bring and certain gifts we all bring into marriage. And even though Enneagram work can't cover everything, and I think that is so important to preface all of this with, because there are so many dynamics. We have not only the subtypes that people could have or the wings, but there's so much trauma that people bring into a marriage too. And there's so much, as I say, at the Enneagram and Coffee Summit, there's so many, marriage research at large has been going on for thousands of years. King Solomon lamented about it at times with all of his various wives in the Bible. And even if you're not a believer, you might think, okay, there was a wise person who was able to log everything down. And there's a lot of truth to what he even knows about marriage back then much less the hundreds of years of studies before Enneagram really came around. So you have to give some credit where credit's due and say, we've been studying relationships for years at large, and whatever your type, there's some important things you can learn. And even if you find today what I say about you and your type doesn't fit, I want you to be okay with that. Just if it doesn't ring true for you, know that that's okay. Maybe I've seen a lot of ones or sixes that have this tendency and that's not you. But if it is you, it's even better 
so that you can say, oh my goodness, this is so helpful that I don't have to worry anymore that I'm weird or that I'm not processing my marriage well because each season of marriage has its glories and its hardships for each type. So we're going to go over those now. So as we talk about Enneagram 1s, we think of them entering marriage and relationships with a couple of goals in mind. One is they want somebody who's reflecting goodness because they bring the gift of goodness. So they would never want to be with anybody who doesn't have a sincere and pure heart. They're also thinking about somebody that will bring them happiness because they struggle with that inner critic. And they also have an element of bringing in somebody that is a bit of a project because they love projects. They're good at projects. They're good at fixing. And can they help it because their gift is seeing issues in life? So if they see those issues and they see potential, then they're like, okay, they're not perfect, but I see potential for us to work well together. So they're not looking for somebody who's perfect. They're looking for somebody with potential. Very interesting. And I know the whole thing of women kind of trying to fix men can Mm -hmm. also be a little bit of an issue. A lot of guys feel like they're always like a a woman's project. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's kind of a little bit of a good thing because we all need things to improve on. But that might also be a downfall, I would think, Mm -hmm. of potentially like a one and, you know, whatever their number. Right. And I've heard that so many times over the years with people that are married to ones is, I thought you loved me the way I was, or I told you the way I was at the beginning, and didn't you know that? Um, And I think what's neat and hard about that, of course, is we're heading into, you know, marriage and everybody's happy and the person doesn't mind to shift a little here and there for their one and their one doesn't mind a little bit of, you know, not shifting and just, okay, well, they're stubborn, but we have a lot of years ahead of us. Um, But then you enter into the middle years of marriage after that honeymoon state is over and you realize, okay, I am actually noticing this person isn't really shifting that much because we now have have additional stresses on our lives. It could be finances or kids. It could be that you're now in the sandwich middle years generation of parents getting older and having to care for them. But your job is starting to, you know, wear on you a little bit. It's not like you're anymore at that season where you're just wet behind the ears and moving around a lot at work. You're you're having to kind of die to some of those dreams that you had as a youth and you're saying, okay, now we're about 30 or for some people, you know, it could be any age in this season of marriage because you could have married a little later or earlier, but you're now in this season where you're like, as a one, uh uh-oh, things don't appear to be fixing and that's a problem and they wrestle a lot there and they can get really critical in the middle years if they're not careful or even if they are and they're just being human They can say, you haven't been rising to the occasion, and I'm getting angry because I'm an instinct person, and I'm starting to feel so frustrated, and I'm not only upset about just typical life stage that I just set up for everybody, but I'm, as a one in particular, upset that you didn't change the way I thought you would, and you didn't carry your end of the weight. Interesting. Yeah, that whole thing of not carrying your weight can cause a lot of problems because you know, you can only chug up the hill for so long by yourself without someone kind of like helping you along. So I can definitely see where that would be a struggle. (laughs) You know, it's so funny that you said that because I thought you were going somewhere else with that. Oh, (laughs) I love it because she has more of a one in her dry type, we think. I don't know. In my my quadruple type, we said. (laughs) Right. Exactly. That's perfect. But I was like, oh, yeah, like she totally is right here with me. And I love that you came from the opposite end because she goes thinking you're the only one to carry your own weight is a real problem. And I was like, yeah, because the other person's probably working really hard. 
Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. It's 100% true though. Because like you think that your sides are really important. Yeah. No, because you think that you're like doing all this work and the other person's like, "Uh, have you not seen me this whole time? Like (laughs) I'm doing a bunch of work as well. I'm just not doing the work that you think I should be doing or the the volume of work that you think I should be doing. So it's always that Mm -hmm. weird kind of dynamic. It really is. And it goes back to deep trust. It goes Mm -hmm. back to having to work together in the middle season for a one on trust. Do you trust your spouse? Remember how at the beginning you were looking for somebody with a good heart? Were you right about that? Did they have a good heart? Did you find that they were uh, hardworking and ethical people the way you hoped and thought they were? If so, it's a good season for ones to start saying, I'm going to embrace goodness and uh, instead of the perfect, embracing the good. That's a great mantra for them, embracing grace and learning to roll with the punches and learning that you can't change anybody. You're responsible for your own happiness. And that is so important that you know, yes, I get emotionally focused therapy. Even though I'm a coach now, you guys have heard me talk about how this is so important and I love listening to attachment theory. But I really want you to know attaching to somebody else and hold, letting them hold for you your worth is not perfect. There's something flawed about that. So you have to hold it. Even if you're the one in the relationship with the one, you have to say, I have to know myself. I can trust myself. I'll do my best. But what's been nice for me married to a one is some of the challenges my husband's held out for me have been phenomenal. I was just thinking about that yesterday, how I don't think anybody else could really be married to me. You know, because I think you do that in marriage. Once you start to come around and say, I'm kind of passing up that middle stage, um, you go, wow, I'm tough. And then you go, I don't think anyone else could uniquely help me the way they do. And it's just a neat way to to look and to think ideally about your spouse, which I know I have the four part of me, so I try to look for ideals. And that's something that I also embrace as a seven is what is the best here. But of course, there's been times when I've said, okay, Wes, lay off. I'm doing the best I can. And let's right. make sure you know that I'm a hard worker. But I really like that he expects high out of us because we achieve a lot together. And some might even think we're three sometimes by the way we go for goals, but we just know our course. Stuff. You know, I know how I am with pain. I know how he is with wondering if he's good. And he also does really have some three stuff, as we recently found out and I've been talking about on the show. I'm just mind blown still about that, that you can be with somebody for so long. And okay, wow, you're not exactly the type I thought you were just that. So moving on to, as I just alluded to, the end years of marriage for a one, or hopefully not the end, but hopefully the long, <laughs> yeah. the long good part is uh, the resurrected marriage that comes for the one that says, okay, yeah, like you are my teammate, you're with me, but you have different giftings than I thought you did. And that was a shock for me. And once I got past that your gifts aren't ordering goodness, boy, was I really able to just love you. And that's a cool story for you guys. So I hope that's your story. Moving on to twos. You guys are hearts of love, and you guys come into a marriage hoping for somebody who's going to give you a sense of appreciation for your amazing gifts that you give. You come into a marriage hoping to help somebody to feel your love, that they will know intrinsically their worth. And sometimes you come in with codependency where you're hoping they'll do the same for you and you're hoping that they'll help you to identify who you are. And I think EFT therapist Susan Johnson would say, this is kind of just human theory at large that we all want that in marriage. Um, And I think she's right, but I think especially twos, we really want to know that we're loved as a two and that we have value. And in middle marriage with a two, of course, that can be beautiful and you can have all of that. 
But sometimes what happens is you don't feel like your spouse is able to give you all of what you need there and you love your social time or you have a lot of energy and your spouse can't quite keep up. So they get resentful and then you as a two get upset that they're not moving at the same pace or helping the world the same way as you are. And you're also getting worried now as you're approaching some of the ways the two kinds of moves through the world is, you know, in a good way, sometimes seducing us with their beauty and charm. And maybe they're starting to feel in these middle years, I'm losing it a bit. I'm not the 20 year old anymore that I came in and intoxicated people with. And, you know, there's such a sense of, am I still worthy if I'm not quite as beautiful? And some husbands or wives are great about saying, oh my gosh, you've just blossomed and now you're my rose, you know, and you're still in full bloom even when you're 70. And I've seen beautiful couples that say that. And I've talked about how husbands are typically not very hard on their wives about looks. But I also want to say it's a season if you're able to do this to get your own work done where you realize, you know, beauty is not everything. There are other aspects of life and marriage and also, it's not everything that your spouse do everything with you and just relaxing and doing some things on your own are really important steps that a two in the middle season of marriage can take so that their spouse doesn't feel like in the pursue or distance cycle of marriage, all they're doing is getting not just pursued, but bulldozed by their two. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. hundred percent. So I think that a two, as they emerge from that that place, they come out with a sense of other friendships and healthy relationships that can help them through life in addition to their marriage, whereas before they hovered around, oh, we're the perfect couple, and now they're able to say, you know what? We are a great couple, and we may even still have you project to the world that things are going great. You don't have to tell the world on social media any crap in your life. You can tell them all the good stuff, but at home, you know... I respect my spouse more, even if they're not always able to meet every need, and I don't push and control them and go to eight and unhealth. I just let them be, and I love them, and I appreciate any kind of love they share with me. Moving on to threes. You guys love achieving, and you love your go, go, go spirit because you find a lot of your worth through what you do, and not all of it, hopefully, but as you're entering marriage, you're thinking of somebody who will play the part with you well and be able to understand that you can change a society if you are really caring individuals who can go get those goals together. You can change your family, you can change your quality of life, and you can make the world a better place. So you're looking for somebody who has a vision, who wants to embrace big things in life and big dreams, or who will be, I've noticed a lot of threes picking nines and people who will perhaps ride the ride with them, but not need as much so that they can support them. Um, I think that's a great thing if the nine is happy in that role and says, hey, I, I matter and I'm being heard, but perhaps my dreams at this early season of life aren't where yours are. Um, so this is going to come up in a minute when we talk about middle season, but at the beginning, I think what's really important is that you guys recognize as threes, we know you guys are people, people. You're in that shame codependency triad, so you might try out a lot of different people, but once you really settle for somebody... The biggest important tip for threes is you guys are really good at starting relationships with your charm, but a big challenge is to stay in a relationship. So those middle years can be especially difficult because you're getting harsh and you're truth telling when you're stressed and you're burying feelings and you're not feeling as close to your spouse. Some of your dreams aren't being understood because you have such a big gusto for life that your partner may be now feeling a little bit 
to the side and you may be traveling a lot or just bringing the phone to the table a lot. And it's an important season for you guys to dialogue, to talk it out, for you not to head into the shadow side. But this is where a lot of threes do head into the shadow side and they may even take on other partners or people that they think I'm really good at relationships. But what I'm trying to let them know is you are very good at starting relationships. You are in that feelings triad. So you understand everybody's feelings and you can read emotions when somebody's attracted to you. And let's face it, who's not attracted to a three? <laughs> so it's really important that they say, okay, but what are my ethics? And they start in that middle season developing, who am I? And what are my goals and visions and morals? Because I think a th we don't realize this about three. We say this all the time about nines, but threes really do have a strong relationship to nine and they act like a chameleon and they don't always know what they like. And we always say that, like I said, about nines, but a lot of times the threes also, when they finally quiet themselves enough, they say, I don't even actually know what I like because I've been a chameleon to what my job needed me to be. I've been picking up on the needs of the family and I have been running around trying to meet everybody else's needs. So it's important time for them to get to know themselves and to slow down when they would typically now pick up and get to know another romantic partner is stop, get to know yourself, and make peace with the people in your life who you've been hurting maybe along the way as you try to hustle and bustle and get your needs met. Then they move on to a really beautiful union in the, the next season of marriage that they can say, you know what? I am a go-getter and let's just reap the rewards of my awesome success. It's so much fun. And now them and their partner are traveling the world. Um, they are usually doing things that the rest of us say, I'll do that. It'll take me five years. They're building a beautiful garden in three months. They're planning an exquisite you know, new sport that they're going to be trying out and they go immediately test it. These people are very talented. And once you can get them grounded, they bring all those talents and fun energy into their marriage and their family gives them a lot of grace too. That's really important, right? Through all these is that our families give us grace as we grow. Oh my gosh. Yes. I think grace is the one thing missing from almost every relationship. And I think it would especially start to dwindle during the middle years, like you were yes. talking about. Yes. As soon as we enter that four to five, seven yeah. year season, it's like, wait a minute, I forgot about grace. You're not who you said you were. But as we get to that place, we can say, wait a minute, am I who I said I was? And that's a really important question like to ask yourself whatever your type is. So as we move into fours, we know that fours are very attracted to beauty and depth. So at the early seasons of marriage, they're really looking for that. They're looking for somebody to understand them and to really just embody them. They are so profoundly poetic and in search of just that significance in their life. And so they're whimsical and they're very good at reading uh, foul play. They can also tell like a one when somebody's heart is more or less pure usually. And they'll hang on for a long time usually in a relationship too, even when they feel like it's gotten bad, they'll say, no, I know there's a good person in there. So as they enter into those middle years, they're really happy to say, okay, I've reaped my reward. I'm going to be fairly easy to please if my spouse is a good person. But if their spouse turns a corner, you'd be surprised how long a four may hang on for dear life to try to work with somebody even who's abusive. So I always want to make sure fours know to set some boundaries. Please know that you're worth it to set boundaries if your partner has decided that they are not healthy enough to be in a relationship. Because I've seen so many fours, like I said, just chase them down 
and say, I knew you were good. It's twos and fours, right, that are most likely to hang on in an abusive relationship? I think twos, threes, and fours, actually, okay. all of them. Okay. Yeah. But the fours with that depth, they're really, they're tragic, and they have such compassion that I think they hang on even a bit longer because they're like, I remember, and I go into the past as my way of thinking, and I remember when you were good and you were better, and I know you can get back there. So it's really important that they have a good support team. And you know what? To be honest, this goes for twos and threes also. Um, sometimes your support team is disappointed with the choice you make, and they say you you should have been out of there a long time. But I want to encourage you support team members, do not let go of these people just because you think this is hard and I don't want to walk through this painful season with them because they need you more than ever. And I know it's hard to be with people who are falling through the same issues, but let's give ourselves a little bit of humility here. Don't we all sometimes? Don't we all kind of have some of our same issues? So that's what I would caution those who would be saying, I'm out of here. My four is too much entrenched in a bad relationship. I'd say love them as much as you can. And then as the four moves into their own stuff in middle marriage, they do kind of hit that wall too of their own ideals not being met. You might see a big career change. You might see a bit of a more dramatic midlife crisis and you might have to just help them to understand as a spouse, or if you're the four, this world is not ideal all the time. As much as we can see what could be here, we have to live with what is, and we have to be practical, and we have to get into action. So it's just an important time to say, maybe I'd take the job that makes money so that my family can eat versus the job I always wanted. A four, after they've gotten through that important season, looks like a beautiful and artistic contributor of society and community. And their artistic outlets are going to be forever remembered and appreciated by those in their faith communities and in their political communities and wherever they're working. So we all love a person of depth and their spouse is very blessed by that when they say, wow, you've stuck through and the four says, oh yeah, that's who I am. I stick it out during pain. And you know a lot about fives because your mama is a five. Yes. Oh my gosh. We were just talking about that before we started recording. Yes. She's a five wing six. Yes. So we we always crack up with each other. I mean, it's hilarious because she has like part of the six and then I'm a six and then it's mm. like we go back and forth. Hilarious. Love it. I love <laughs> that. And I love fives. And I really know that at the beginning of marriage, they're looking very carefully analyzing who they're with and will this person be safe and will they be uh, a good bet, you know, because mm -hmm. fours are so good at running the. Fours. I'm sorry, fives. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm thinking like, fives. Hear saying that right? <laughs> I'm just like looking up. I'm yeah. in the thinking triad, oh so I'm like way off. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, so fives are really they're running all the stats. Is what I was gonna say that they are just aware of probably checking every box to make sure that they've picked well. And that's why I think a lot of fives do have very successful marriages because they haven't just looked for a good heart. They've looked for everything. Yeah. They've looked for every little possible issue, and especially a five with a six wing, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. But I do think that that's why they usually pick well. And then sometimes as they head into mi middle marriage, they're shocked when their spouse may have a time where they're not as happy. And that's because the five doesn't realize as they've kind of laid down their bets and realized I've made a really good you know, move here with this person, they've forgotten that they maybe haven't put in as much to the marriage as they could have. And they're not perhaps always needing as much because they're so good at self-soothing. Typically, I, I know they're not always, but I want you guys to know this is all typicals. They are 
a little bit stormed by, oh my goodness, my spouse is maybe acting out and finding other fulfillments besides me to a large degree. And sometimes even being cheated on or um, somebody saying, I'm done with you because your emotions haven't been enough for me. And I think that's really important that the five show their helper side. If you look at their harmony triad with Dr. David Daniels, or if you look at how they go to eight in health, I think it's really important that they start in middle marriage finding that and being really dedicated to loving others and working on their anxiety that sometimes they're not even aware they have. And when they can do that, they make some of the best spouses ever. They just have to be able to say, I won't be as you know, hermit-like with my time, I'll be able to come out and be with you and trust that there will be more energy tomorrow and I can love, I can give. And when they do that, their spouse feels so safe and there's a bit of a romantic flavor to the relationship because their five can't be out 24-7 or that's too exhausting. So then the spouse who's married to them is like, wow, when you do show up, we have a blast. And that gives a sense of push-pull, which I've talked about, very healthy for pursuing and distancing in a relationship. Definitely. Oh, that's cute. Yes. (laughs) I have another five friend who's in a serious relationship. So that's actually kind of cute because her boyfriend's an eight. So it's nice that they kind of have that connecting point. So this is this is very interesting for me to hear now. I'm going to be like, oh, girl. (laughs) Yes. I like hearing that. Mm -hmm. Well, we also have and that's an eight is a helper, too. So that's pretty cool. They really work well with twos and eights. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. And others. But, you know, those two are really uh, those three are really cute. So Aww. we also have our sixes. Hey, guys. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> and Olivia's type is amazing in marriage, of course, and perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, guys. Sixes are perfect. No, I'm just oh kidding. Oh, my goodness. No, sixes in the beginning of marriage are also doing some troubleshooting, and they're skeptical. So mm-hmm. they may take their time on getting married. They may say, you know what? If I don't see the right one, I am fine on my own. Is that true for you, Olivia? I think um, I've personally made the decision for myself that um, I am not going to date anybody until we've been friends for a bit and I can actually see them when they're not trying to kind of like put an act on because mm. um, I think that's very dangerous. And for me, I'd rather find out sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've just made that decision because I don't want to get attached and then find out like, oh, you suck. Mm-hmm. So that's I think that's where I've made my like uh, skeptical yeah. decision instead of getting into it, putting feelings in and then being like, oh, gosh, I, I really like this person. And now I've given all my feelings and mm-hmm. now we're like in a mess. And now I have to pull back and that's going to be tragic. And then you get in that, you know, horrible Mm -hmm, cycle cycle. where you're just like, oh my gosh, no. So that's where I've made my skeptical decision. (laughs) Well, I like that because that really saves her a lot of the pain of choosing somebody whose brain isn't done developing. We know that there's great advantages to the teen and young brain because they're so creative and they're just not afraid to say it. But the disadvantage to getting together young is the brain isn't done developing. Yeah. So she's waiting. Olivia's 22 now. Mm-hmm. So the brain finishes about 25, which is so unfair because you're already <laughs> so smart. I know. It's like you're going to be a what... genius by 25. Right? <laughs> Thank you. No, that's where I think, you know, especially because there's like the four-year difference between male and female Mm -hmm. um, in terms of like emotional and mental development, I guess. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to kind of find someone who's at least, you know, a year, two, three older. That way you guys kind of meet in the middle and you're like same age mentally and emotionally. So I don't know. I think that's smart. that as an additional little accolade that she's (laughs) got going. I didn't know that about you. I love that. Yeah. I said like three years is like the minimum for like how much older I'd need. 
Yes. Because I just think, you know, anything a little younger or same age is going to potentially cause problems. So this mm-hmm. is even, even me troubleshooting in the, in before I, I have anything. I love it. No, this is such a cool, exquisite little extra look at sixes. Very That's funny. perfect. Yes. And I've seen some get together very young and be very happy, but I've also seen some get together very young and then shift and not quite know what to do. It's just slippery. And let's face it, most of them aren't going to go see somebody for coaching or counseling till it's already really difficult. And I will say what comes into the difficulties of a six in middle marriage is they can get a little critical like a one. They can say, I'm not liking the way you chew. I can, you know, feel that you're getting on my nerves in these specific and organizational ways. Is that something you could see happening with you? I've made comments to my mom you about have. chewing. I'm like, you're driving me nuts. Oh my and gosh. like, it's it's so not like a normal thing, but it's just like once in a while, I'll be like, oh my gosh. And I like, there's certain sounds I hate. Yes. That's hilarious. No, I, I just I, thought I was yeah. like a weirdo. No, no. That's this is so funny. Sixes. Really? Yeah. yeah and that's ones. hilarious. And my sister's got that 6-1 thing going on and, oh and her husband. And that's hilarious. They're, um, they're like Krista. Oh, gosh. like just. <laughs> but she was always like when I had my little baby, she was yeah. like, she's an OT. So she was uh-huh. like, your kids are going to be so like healthy because you're letting them get stuff all over their face. And it was like driving her crazy because I was oh my like gosh. feeding them in the high chair and laughing and there's Cheerios everywhere. And she's like, for OT, for sensory processing, this is everything. But she's like, I couldn't do it. No, yeah, that would like actually drive. There's like certain things yes. I'll see on Instagram and just like, like it's right. bugging me so bad. I have to just like, no, get going. Yes. You're like, no ASMR for me. But Oh my <laughs> gosh. That is probably the worst thing for a six, I'm imagining. Yes. Drives so me nutty. They are in middle marriage, like, grr, I have to yeah. put up with this for another 50 years, you know. And, oh my um, gosh. They love their person. So trust me, they're long suffering. And that's, I think, why Olivia's holding out her heart is sixes are very long suffering and patient because they want their person. When they find their person, they're settled in. It's just if there's emergencies where they're needs are not being met for security and they have to do their own work in this season too because the other cannot fully give the security, then sometimes they can go into counterphobic mode and and just kind of look for it somewhere else because they kind of look to that authority figure and there's no authority figure in marriage, but when your partner's the only other person, you're like, okay, they're not meeting the need. So you have to be careful that you you stick with it, you address it, you give, like Olivia said, a great word for marriage. Overall, is just grace. Mm-hmm. Because then they're going to yeah. emerge in the final season of marriage, which we hope lasts many years, with true happiness and friendship. And I've just seen so many sixes say, I don't even really care about those side issues anymore. I just want my person. And mm-hmm. I know they're annoying, but I've kind of chalked it all up to, I just want my person. So yeah. that's been really fun for me to hear. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one thing where you're not just like, oh, I'm just going to like go over here just to get some sort of like affection or whatever. And mm-hmm. you're like, no, because that's, you know that it's not long lasting. And so you're more focused on, okay, what's going to last? What is, and I guess that is like a, a look for security in a mm-hmm. way of I want what's going to last. I want what's, you know, 100% and I'm going to go there and then give that my all instead of like, you know, spreading my all around everywhere to where you're like some mm-hmm. feelings for you and you and you. you're like the Oprah of feelings. Yeah. And then it's just you're in a you're in a problem area. So shout out sixes. Uh, don't go Oprah-ing your feelings everywhere. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they're so good at that. Sometimes being the three, six, nine stuff going on, they're like, oh, I don't even care. I could, you know, be with this person tonight and it won't bother me tomorrow because I can just push my feelings aside. So just be careful that you remember finding that person is worth it. And if you really know 
that feeling, you know, and you're nodding along right now, like, yes, finding that person truly will be so much more satisfying than spending my time in a a variety of places with another person for one or two nights. Mm -hmm. So give yourself time to really find some grace for your partner and to be open and to trust yourself. Because, of course, that's the work for the six is wow, I'm, I need them, but if they're not everything, I can take care of me. As we move on to sevens at the beginning of a relationship, it's difficult to say this about all sevens because it's it's different. There's a lot of variety with sevens because we like variety, but I think what's um, important to a seven shifts over time. And at first, you see a lot of sevens who just want fun in a relationship. They're just looking for something not as serious. They don't want to settle down as quickly because they're thinking, okay, I love my person, but I grow tired of them quickly. So this is just for fun and I can kind of end it whenever I need to. And I think they don't like to be locked down. So initially and ideally, they may not even be able to say, I don't want this for long term. But what starts to happen is they realize, oh, wow, there are other fish in the sea. And I perhaps was a little too quick to idealize somebody because we have some commonalities with the four and the one, and we have this ideal part of ourselves um, that Dr. David Daniels talks about as the seven fours and ones have in the harmony groups. And what's really important to realize is, you know, take some time. Don't just assume this person is the one for you. And also don't just assume they're not the one for you. Because that's a really important thing that sevens could miss because they're looking for just fun. And, you know, you need a lot more than just fun in a relationship. So they've got to look at the whole picture and giving a long, drawn out, detailed view is nicely done in friendships. So I hope sevens will start out as friends whenever possible first so they can see a character before jumping in. Because, of course, then they get to have fun. In the middle years of a marriage, I think a seven really does well to really show forth their feelings because they can lock them down and go to five in unhealth and they can and we do go to five in health but they can go to an unhealthy level where they say i'm all in my fantasy i'm able to get my needs met elsewhere besides my spouse so i won't really say anything if they bother me because i like everything happy and i don't feel comfortable with painful feelings or emotions and there's probably reasons for that but at any point um, they're making light of things they're having fun with their spouse and they're not taking the time needed to address it so therefore the marriage is getting unhealthy and they're busy and they don't really know what to do about it they're just like okay i'm trying to be as happy as i can i'm keeping busy i'm working hard but something's still slipping. So just acknowledging it and sitting with that painful reality like, okay, it's not all ideals. My life isn't perfect and there's some work to do. That's the really good place for a seven to go because you could flit from relationship to relationship so quickly as a seven. I could see many, many divorces coming into play if that wasn't a thought. And I remember being early on secured with my now husband as engaged and even before that as long-term dating since we started so young. And I remember thinking of other viable options and even some friends saying, of course, this is pre-25. So friends were just like, why are you with one guy? You should be with a lot. And I remember, thankfully, the five part of me thinking, well, he's a good guy. He has problems and issues, but so does everybody. And I didn't want to see that pattern develop. So maybe if you're a seven, you could kind of look at that like I did and say, do I want to be somebody who flits around? Do I want that to be my moral stance? Do I want that to be my reputation? And you can allow your morals to kind of come into play 
Whereas that other side of your brain could see, oh, I'm fun. I'm good at flirting. I, I seem to be attracting this person. Let's give it a shot. And then you could instead just say, no, the statistics tell us that the second marriages and beyond aren't usually as happy. And I've already got somebody that I know and love. So let me just be brave and talk things out. And the reason I want you to talk things out is you might not see it coming and your spouse might be really upset with you. So that's huge for sevens. And then as you emerge in the later seasons of marriage, there's a deeper trust. Your spouse knows that you're real. They know you're grounded and hopefully you are grounded by now and you can move on together in joy and with whatever their gift is and hard work. As we move into eights, we think about how passionate they are at the beginning of a relationship. They are so much fun. They have so much life to share, so much vision and they are just looking for somebody who can seize the day with them. They're looking for somebody who they've romantically fallen in love with, and they know they can care for a lot of their needs, but they're looking for somebody who is passionate and deep. So interesting. It's, it's similar to a four in a few mm-hmm. ways. Interesting. Yeah, they're really looking for somebody who's passionate and deep and moves in the world at a, a pace that can handle an eight because they do recognize their big energy typically. And they're like, I don't want to bulldoze my spouse. Right. Yeah. They're trying to be cautious, but also they don't want to be held back. So right. a little bit similar to a seven. Yeah. They're very similar to a seven because they do share wings. But the seven is looking for, uh, it doesn't have to be an energized person like an eight. They're fine with bringing the energy. Okay. And the eight is more like, well, my energy is even bigger than seven. So I don't want to bulldoze. And the seven just wouldn't typically bulldoze. They'd be like, oh my gosh, if you're tired, then I'm going to talk your head off. Oh my gosh. And they're like, please don't. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's funny. But my husband's so patient and sweet. And his father is so patient and sweet. So I'm like, okay, well, that's good. (laughs) Yeah. But I try to always look for nonverbals too. Like, okay. like Or he might say, like I told you guys before, like, okay, I don't have the energy you do. Right. And I don't always have that energy, especially as I get older. But I think the eight does always have that energy energy even if they get older so it's kind of really important that you know yes they're going to have their retreat time in five but they're also looking for somebody who can handle them and give them variety because they have that lusty quality of doesn't mean they always want sex some of them do but they have a quality of just passion for life so you need to share that with them and be willing to work with them on that and I grew up in a household with an eight, so I watched that marriage a lot. You guys know I even counseled that marriage a little bit. Um, but Poor Krista. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. But it, it was really fun in a way. You know, there was really hard parts too, but the part that was hard, we, we got through it as a family. And the part that was nice, that sticks with you, especially after your parents have passed, the good things do tend to stick, which I was comforted by a relative with that once. And I'm seeing that emerge is that it's really nice to see somebody who shares that kind of dream as a a group of parents. And you see, wow, I didn't realize how nice it was for me to grow up in a family where we had so many things we were passionate about and so many causes. And it's just a dream come true if the eight can stick through the middle years where they're going to get angry and their spouse isn't necessarily going to ride that wave with them all the time. And they're going to have to fight passionate feelings to leave the relationship or to dominate completely and to shut down completely in their five space. And it's going to need them to do a lot of self-reflection. And when they are tempted to just lick their wounds and even a vengeance type of stance, they're going to need to really find a moral compass right there. And I think that's a really important and a really hard thing sometimes for an eight is to say, You know, I have to allow myself to be guided by a bigger figure than me, by God, 
because they are such big figures. And what brings them joy ultimately is releasing their vulnerability to God, to that bigger figure who's um, never going to hurt them with the lack of trust. Because as you guys probably remember with eights, they just, they don't always trust somebody. If the trust breaks, they typically say to me, you can never earn my trust back if you've lost it. So it's really tough to to move forward for them if they can. It's a beautiful thing because what happens is even if they feel that their spouse isn't trustworthy, which sometimes my dad was like that to my mom. And a funny story is she was nine or two, as I've talked about, and she was very chill with it. So she had a great perspective on it. And so he'd be like, well, remember how she did this? And she would just literally roll her eyes, (laughs) like whatever, like (laughs) I never did that. But that was part of his narrative. He believed it. He thought they had lost trust. But then he would come around the story and be like, but I got her. You know, and oh so, my gosh. And so she what just a had goon. this little shy smile, like whatever. He's just being silly. But sometimes we have to do that with our fours and our eights, kind of let them sit in their ideals or in their sense of maybe victimization or a little bit of like, hey, I never forgot. And I've it's been hard to recover from this and to say, okay, you know what? I love you. And maybe we don't share the same narrative of what happened in our marriage. And maybe that's okay because we're together now and we're happy. And that's a really cool place to land together. Oh my gosh. I'm like cringing right now. Yes. Is that hard <laughs> I'm for like, you? Yeah. I'm like, um, no, you, that's not, that's not right at all. Like you're completely bold face lying to me. No, like that's, that's like what I'm thinking. Of. I'm like, oh my gosh, that would drive me nuts. My mom was probably oh, the most funny. patient person I've what ever a sweetie. met. Oh my goodness. That sounds like a nine. Yeah, it does. And you know, the thing is she was so classy and from the East coast and she just had a sense of who she knew she was. Aww. That's what I mean. Like she never Cute. was like, oh my gosh. Like, I'm so worried that he might be right. Right, right. She was like, you know what? That's your dramatic dad. You know, and yeah. he's writing plays and poems and, you know, calling her his last duchess. And what I mean, absolutely. I mean, at That's her so funeral, funny. it was actually really weird and scary too because when you have that eight energy you just don't know always what to expect but he was like mon cher oh my <laughs> gosh huge poem and we were like oh my gosh like, I'm like what's gonna happen dying inside. That's but you know that she ever. was like smiling from heaven that's like, oh, so yeah, cute that's me so oh she took gosh. a lot of pride and she wore that cute. well so that's where the two stuff i thought came in yeah it's like her she just kind of going oh yeah my man has me and i'm also getting like some five like she seems like fairly stable from like from that oh, story yeah. you know what i mean mm-hmm. that's yeah. so sweet though because yeah. I see like five and eight, like we were saying. I think that would go well together, but also nine and eight. Yeah, would be I know, great. I know. That's cute. There's oh, so I wish I would have known her. With eight. Um, so, yeah, you guys are tremendous and your energy is so engaging. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, the stories could go on forever. So, I'll yeah. move on to our precious nines yes. as we think about whether mom was a nine or not. There's a lot of you nines out there who have been very patient, yes. waiting. And at the beginning of a relationship, nines too, just like Olivia said with sixes, they will be patient with who they get. They're not looking to find somebody that second, usually, because they can take care themselves they can withdraw i have a nine daughter and she's like oh no i am not finding somebody until they're amazing and so, until they're amazing oh yeah i love she's her she's ready. great she knows that she deserves well and, and she's, she's uh 12 yeah she's 12 years like, old but hello everybody thinks she's 15 to 16 it's one of her yeah. favorite things to do is she's to constantly so talk about that she's oh my like, god everybody thinks i'm 16 and yeah. i'm 12 she just like, told me that like yesterday she's such she's, a riot yeah like she's she was in a class with some kids she's in a college level 
12 of class right now. And they were like, why do I feel like I'm 12 right now? And she said she was like, <laughs> because I am 12, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, ha. Ah. Yeah, she was <laughs> I like, love I love this. So she's like many of you nines out there. Just really, really, you guys exude the gifts of so many types. So very witty, very together when they're present and doing their body work, which she does her body work. And they just know that they're worth a lot and they can withdraw comfortably. But they want to be seen and loved and heard and they don't like conflict. So they're not looking for somebody who's going to jar them too much. But they might they might even like an eight who says, okay, I'm going to make sure you're woken up and I'm going to keep you a little more on task and be some accountability for you. That's not aversive to them most of the time as long it's not nasty and pushy and not, you know, caring. Um, in the middle marriage, though, sometimes they, because of their aversion to conflict, they just give up on it. They're like, I hate feeling bad. I'm just going to be at peace. They narcotize out to food and drink. They don't do their body work. That can be a really difficult season, and this can happen so easily when you get injured or you're having kids. It's just a very natural state, so it's really important that they do their body work as they're rising up into health and say, I'm committed to that no matter what because it will make me more present in my day. It'll help me to find my voice. The endorphins going will give me a little kickoff. And then they're fine to say, hey, I've got needs too. I need a day to myself. I've noticed with my nines in coaching, a day, a month for self-care just for them is really important. And their spouses who are in the codependency triad, I alluded to some nines and three stuff, they need to give it. They just need to say, I trust you. Take some time to yourself. Um, But the nine has to do their work too, because I've also seen nines you know, that have cheated. And so they have to be able to be people of integrity if they expect to be trusted. And I didn't used to see that, but now I've seen every type cheat. And so I'm like, okay, nines are people too. Right. Um, and the later seasons of marriage, nines emerge with such a sense of fun and glory in just the everyday. They don't have to have 24-7 new goals and dreams. They do have big dreams for their lives typically, but they may be domestic dreams or they may be dreams out and about, but either way, they have the right action. They're committed to it, whether it be animal rights or human rights of some sort. And they think about that and they think about fun and family and they think about uh, sharing when they absolutely need to their stresses. So now you have all of the types and what they're doing in the different seasons of marriage. And I hope that you guys will also embrace that the theme we saw was every single type in the middle of marriage had some strain and some stress. So don't feel like you're alone if that's you. We will also be so happy to give you a review of these seasons of marriage types if you check out our website. Enneagramandmarriage.com. Yes. So you can head over there if you want to share this and journal a little bit about it because we've put something beautiful together for you to do just that. So come on over to our page and we'll hope to see you at the Enneagram Summit. Yes. Thank you guys so much for listening and be sure to give us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you are not already following us, you can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on Stitcher. Thank you so much. Bye guys. (laughs)